Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, focal passage. Let me read it to you this, this morning. We're going to move pretty fast. This is, what, this is what Paul had to say. He said, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. He's talking about things that he had accomplished, things that were of his, of his heritage, um, things that he had done. And he says, worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus. My Lord, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. We're going to come back to that in just a little bit. Uh, we're in a series called Leading Generously. We've been walking through this over the past three years for those of you, this is your first time with us. It's a little bit different. We do things a little bit differently during this series because it's somewhat video-driven, and it's centered around the, uh, the storyline of a family. And in just a few minutes, you're going to see uh, about a fixed five- or six-minute video clip that will sort of bring us up to date with where we are today. But before we get into that, I want to just say this. Um, there's an old proverb, Chinese proverb, about a, about a man in his life, and it goes somewhat like this. Maybe you've heard it in maybe just a, a little bit different term. Um, there was an old farmer and who had a horse. One day, he woke up, and his horse was gone. He was sad. He was very sad. Matter of fact, his neighbors gathered around him, and they were sad as well, and they told him that they would, they would pray for him, and, and that they did. The next day, he woke up and the horse showed back up. But before uh, the horse showed back up, the people said, you know, that's just such bad news that your horse would just disappear and he would just, he would leave. And the man said, you know, he said, I don't know if it's bad news or I don't know if it's good news. He said, all I know is that my horse is gone. Well, the next day when he, then the horse showed back up, um, he showed back up with a beautiful stallion. Well, the people around him were real excited, so they gathered around, and they said, that's just such great news. And he said, well, you know, I don't know if that's good news or if that's bad news. All I know is that I have another horse. Well, later that afternoon, his child decided he was going to ride that stallion, and he fell off, and he broke his leg. And the people came to him, and they said, you know, that's such bad news. And he said, I don't know if it's bad news or I don't know if it's good news. All I know is that my son fell off the horse and broke his leg. The next day, some soldiers came to the house. They were looking for every willing and able young man to be able to serve in the army because they were getting ready to go to war. And this young man couldn't go. And the neighbors said, that's such great news. And he says, I don't know if that's good news or if that's bad news. I just know that my son can't go to war. You know, there's, it's amazing the number of things that we think are good or bad based on circumstances, right? This is what Paul said, like in Philippians chapter 3, there's a lot of things that the world around us considers to be good, but it may not necessarily be as good as we think. As a matter of fact, those things that the world says are good in spiritual eyes might distract us from that which is best. Are you with me? And yet on the other side, the things that the world says is bad might just be what God places in our lives so that we might grow and mature in our faith towards him. There's a couple of contrasts we're going to see today. 
Number one, the contrast between loss and gain. Loss and gain. From the world's perspective, what's the goal? What's our goal from the world's perspective? Rich, success, give it to me. What else? Power, fame, power, position, possession. Um, what else? Win. Yeah. May be, may not be. You know, the boy with the most toys wins at the end of the day, right? That's from the world's perspective. What is it you're aiming for? The world says, listen, platform, possessions, position, power. However, what does the Bible say is the win for those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ? Relationship with him, heaven, eternity in Christ, what? Serving? What else? What? To know, putting others first? To know him and make him known, right? So you've got two different goods. The world says what's good is power, position, possessions, platform. And then you've got from the believers or Christ-like perspective to know him and to make him known, to become more like Christ, to die to self. Um, what is something that you might consider to be good from a worldly perspective, yet it might be detrimental to our faith in Christ. What is something that you guys know that from a worldly perspective, we might go, "Woo, man, that's a win. Yet it may be detrimental in our relationship with the Lord. What is something? Popularity? The lottery? What'd you say? Maybe a relationship with certain people, maybe a certain position. Pride all of a sudden begins to, to seep in. And that thing that the world says is so important that we strive to achieve all of a sudden becomes very detrimental in our faith because of t instead of taking us closer to our, relation, our relationship with the Lord and us becoming to know him better and making him known, all of a sudden it seems like our relationship with the Lord begins to wane. In contrast, we might think of a job demotion or a loss of job as something negative or worldly. And yet, then again, it might be that one thing that's good in our life that God uses to bring us to a closer relationship with him. Are you with me? So loss and gain. I wrote this down this morning. Less of me, more in him. What, de what is it that determines what is good or bad? Many times it's based on the feelings. What the feelings and what others have to say around us, what culture has to say. But if fellowship with God is the goal, to know Him and to make Him known, it can radically change what we consider to be good. Are you with me? In other words, you can be walking through one of the most difficult times in your life, and instead of saying, man, this is terrible, all of a sudden you can recognize maybe, maybe it's not as bad as it may seem. Maybe it's not bad at all. The second contrast is this, legend versus legacy. Legend might define it as this, one who promotes himself, looks for the applause of man to make himself great. While legacy can be defined as lifting others up and influencing them in positive ways. John the Baptist, a great example. John chapter 3 verse 30 says, I must decrease and he must increase. Less of me more of him. Um, 
Last week, this is what we saw. We saw Frank being confronted by a couple of board members that couldn't figure out why in the world Frank wouldn't release the worker, the employee that had made the mistake. And they said basically to Frank this, um, if, you, if you can't let him go, somebody's got to pay. In other words, the implication of is he doesn't lose his job, you're probably going to lose your job. And that's the recommendation that we're going to make to the board members. And then I don't know if you guys remember the last, of, the last video from last week. The last of the video was this. You got Ray speaking to some kids, and he's talking about believing in the seed. And the seed was like a promise from God. And, and Ray went on to talk about how we could trust the promises of God, that even though we as humans are not trustworthy, God is always trustworthy. He's consistent, and he is trustworthy. And it doesn't mean just because God is trustworthy that we won't face times of difficulty. We also said last week um, that, uh, well, the ending of the video was like this. God knows the perfect conditions that you need to grow, and when the time is right, God's promises will be fulfilled inside of us. And if you guys may remember, there was a girl that got up in the middle of when Ray was talking, and, he, and she got up and she left with the young daughter. You're going to learn just a little bit more about her today. So as we continue on in this clip, I want to pray for you today because it's going to get up in your business. For those of you that struggle with things of the past, today is a real important day. We're going to hear some things today that's going to challenge you in some areas. I promise you that. Let's pray together. Father, now would you take the median of video and God, would you use it in the storyline that's about to be told to open up our lives that we can learn from you today, that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher, and God, that as we worship you, that we would hear the whisper of the Spirit's voice in the midst of our time. We would hear your prompting, and we would say, yes, Jesus, I hear and I obey. In Christ's name, amen. Watch this clip. What was it that Ray pulled out of the garbage can? How many of you have uh, worked really, really hard to get a trophy at some time in your life? And that trophy has become the goal? Don't you dare lie. There's a big difference between first place and second place, isn't there? How many of you ever got a first place or second place trophy and you weren't satisfied? Raise your hand. Yeah. How many of you guys have ever thrown away some trophies? How many of you have ever thrown away some trophies that you worked so hard to get? That you valued so heavily at one time? Last week when we left off and sort of picked it up this week, you saw, you saw the, uh, the impending board meeting about the concerns over the billing. Um, they've got a person that's at fault, Frank, one of the young employees, a guy by the name of Jimmy. And Frank assured the board that he had taken care of everything by adding some new protocols, some new oversights. But Frank's answer didn't satisfy the board members, did it? 
It didn't, did it? That's, that's a no. It didn't satisfy them. What were they trying to cover? Their own backside, weren't they? It wasn't about the person. They were trying to cover their own backside. Uh, they, were, they wanted to convince the government that they were willing to do everything to fix their mistakes. In other words, we've ridded ourselves of that problem. And so Frank makes the comment. He said, so if I don't fire Jimmy, you're going to ask me to resign. And what was the board member's response to that? There's a lot of money at stake here, right? Do you think that answered Frank's question? The other part of the story, you see Naomi, and she comes in and she gives, she gives something to Cassie, and she asked if, um, if she would give it to Frank. It was a daughter that nobody knew that Ray had. Um, and so you got Frank and Cassie that's out by the pool, and you got Frank that's trying to tell Cassie about the fact that he could lose his job. Cassie's trying to tell Frank about the fact that, that Ray has a daughter that nobody knew about, Okay. So this is the, the, the action that's taking place on the pool outside. Are you with me? So this is what's happening. And then Frank looks back and he, and he makes this comment about one of the workers said something about the legend of Frank Donovan. And he asked Cassie this. Because see what Frank had been doing is over the past couple of years we've learned that Frank had learned to be generous with the resources that God had given them. I mean you see a, a pretty opulent house, right? And so they had learned to not only give of, them, of themselves, but they had learned to also give of the resources that God had given them. And so, um, so here, here's Frank talking about the, the fact that this guy said the legend of Frank Donovan. And, and, he, said, and he asked Cassie, he said, he said, we don't do this stuff for our own legend, do we? Um, and we talked about earlier, how do we define legend? Does anybody, did anybody write that definition down? Here it is again. A person that promotes himself or looks for applause of man to make himself great. And so here's a question for you. I don't know what everybody does, but why do you do what you do? I don't know what Bill, all the things that Bill's involved in, but why does Bill do specifically what Bill does? Does he do, does he do it for the applause of men to make his name great? You know, I, I have no idea what Troy, all the things that Troy's involved in. But why does Troy do what Troy does? Why does Brian do what Brian does? Why does Jimmer do what does? Is it about making your name great? Why do we do what we do? What's the motivating factor behind that? And so what were, what is it? Was it to be noticed? Was it to be recognized? Was it so that they could be rewarded? Was it for significance? So you got Frank that's dealing with all of these different tensions. What were some of the tensions that Frank was experiencing? What were some of the tensions that Frank was experiencing? What? Ridicule. Okay. What were some of the other tensions? Loss of job. What else? His testimony. Character assassination. 
Would he be able to continue to support? Do you remember the conversation? If I lose my job, will I be able to continue to support the things that we've been supporting because they matter? Should I let Jimmy go? Is it the right decision? How should I respond in the midst? I mean, so you've got all these tensions that are, that are happening. And if you remember back to the, last, to the last series, here you go. You've got Frank and Cassie that put their reputation on the line to build a relationship with some people that were a little bit different than them. They built some relationships with people that were down at the soup kitchen, and they begin to, to not just go to them, but they, they begin to invite them into their lives, Okay? And so all of a sudden, some people inside of their sphere of influence didn't really like them as much because they, you, they began to invite some of these people into their subdivision, into their housing complex. And if you were here, you remember some of the tensions that that caused. As a matter of fact, they even called a meeting and they were, they were going to uh, uh, try to find a way to, to get them out, to say, listen, you can't invite those type of people into our environment. It's messing up our environment. And so if you don't do this, we're going we're gonna to push you out. And all of a sudden, you've got, this, you've got this meeting, and you've got this small group meeting, this missional community meeting that we see, and you've got some of these people that Frank and Cassie are now surrounded by. You've got Ray, who was their gardener, who was a homeless man, who we just found out was an alcoholic, and there's more to his story that we'll learn. I don't know who the other African-American lady was. You've got these other, this new young couple that they had met at the homeless shelter, one that's blind, Thomas is blind, and the other young girl, they had brought them in and had the wedding at their, at their place there, uh, Frank, at Frank and Cassie's place. And now they're here throwing a baby shower. And you see Ray. <laughs> what do you think's going on in Ray's mind? What's going on in Ray's mind? Here's this meeting. What's going on in Ray's mind? I'm being a terrible father? What else? What do you think is going on in, in Ray? Could you, did you see Frank's look? Did you guys see? Because here Frank knows something that nobody else knows. And here's Frank sitting and looking at Ray thinking, you know, what do you think is going on in Frank's mind while he's looking at Ray? Fear of confrontation. Why haven't you told me? Why haven't you been honest with me? Why haven't you trusted me enough with that information? What's going on? Do you think that Frank was upset that Ray had dead and told him that he had a daughter? I mean, the body language? The facial expressions? Do you, felt, do you think that Frank maybe felt betrayed? Why do you think that Ray had never told anybody? Ashamed, embarrassed, fearful that nobody would love him. What else? Denial, pride, fearful of what people may say. Didn't want to admit. He was afraid what? He was afraid that he would, he would let them down if he would tell them about his life. Yeah. Has there ever been a time in your life when you've not been honest? Has there ever been a time in your life when you've been afraid to share? Has there ever been a time in your life where you have refused to, to tell others about things that have happened 
out of fear, just like Ray. See, it may not be Frank, it may be Lester, or it may be Steve, or it may be Tom, or it may be Sydney, or it may be Larry, maybe Charlie, maybe Rob, or maybe maybe Bill, maybe Leo. Raised just a character. The uniqueness about it is Ray probably represents a lot of us in this room, doesn't he? Has there ever been a time in your life when you've not been honest? And what does this honesty lead to? When we're not honest, what does dishonesty lead to? What? Phoniness? What'd you say? Lies? Fear of exposure? Loss of trust? What else? Anxiety? Anxiety? Destruction, separation, loss of intimacy, broken relationships, more lies. I mean, have you, you've been there. Don't you tell me you haven't. Have you ever told a lie and then had to tell another lie to cover up that lie? Have you told a lie to cover up that lie then had to tell another lie to cover up that lie and the other lie? You know who really nervous people and the anxious people are? Those that can't remember the lies that they've told. So if you say, I'm really anxious, then I know what's going on in your life. Ray opened up and he shared some of the parts of his life up until this point that he hadn't shared. But it brought, listen to me, listen to, listen to this. But it, it brought the tension to get him to that place. You and I would look at this and go, oh, this is bad. And on the other hand, we go, no, this is good. Oh, no, this is bad. Depends on which side of the fence you're sitting. Do you think that Ray ever wondered if this day would ever come? And now it's here. Ray may just getting, be getting to get to the place that he's going to experience freedom for the first time in his life. But to get to that place of freedom, it may cost him an awful lot of pain and dying to self to get there. So he opens up and he shared some things that he had not shared before. And he was honest with some things that he was embarrassed about. He talks about his daughter. He talks about alcoholism. He talks about the fact that his daughter had to go live with his sister when she was 10 because his drinking was out of control and his life was a mess. And next week you'll even see more. And Ray said it wasn't even until years and his years later down the line that he was sober enough to even think about reaching out to her. But then he said, I couldn't even begin to think about going back and explaining things. He said, how could I, how could I even do that? Cassie asked Ray, why didn't you tell them, why didn't you tell us about your daughter? And how did Ray respond? What did he say? Does anybody remember? She said, why didn't you tell us about your, your daughter? Didn't want to lose their respect. Didn't want to admit his failure after they had all, they had been so helpful to him. They respected Ray. 
He didn't want to lose their admiration. So instead of saying anything, he just ignored it and walked away. And he walked away from that which was most important. Do you think it was tough for Ray to share what he shared? What was it that helped him? Do you think his faith in Christ helped him? What'd you say, Katie? His trust in those relationships. I mean, he had been a believer. You're going to learn a lot more about Ray next week. But those trusting relationships around him was very important. Um, that environment. Did, did, did Ray have to share? Didn't have to share. But he did. Um, I mean, what could he have done instead when they started asking some questions? What could he have done? He could have clammed up. He could have, he could have continued the story, right? He could have just continued to lie. He could have ignored the past. He could have not told the whole truth, just maybe partial truth. Frank makes the statement about legacy versus legend. Um, you remember what, what, did, what did Frank say uh, to, to Ray? And he says, Frank apologized. Frank went back and he apologized to Ray because he said, I'm sorry if you think that we created a legend that you had to live up to. I thought it was really neat. How did, how did the group respond to Frank or to, to Ray after he told? How did, the, how did the group, how did that trusting group of people, that missional community, how did, that, how did they respond? How did they respond to Ray? Help? Man, I thought they gossiped about it. Listen, I thought they got on the phone and they just started telling, listen, did you know about, did you know about Ray? Listen, let's just, we got to send out a prayer request right now. How could you be so stupid? You're an idiot. You should have known better than that. I mean, isn't that what they did in that group? What did they do? Man, they embraced him. You know why? Because I look in this room and I see nobody in this room that's perfect. As a matter of fact, I see a bunch of sinners just like me. And there is no perfect person in here. And there is none of us in this room that can point any fingers because all of us live in glass houses. At any moment, our walls can be torn apart, ripped apart, shattered because of issues that go on. That's what religious people do. That's what Pharisees do, is they live in those places. That's not what God's people do. And they wrap their arms around them. They wrapped, and, and Cassie comes back and she says, she says, can I, can I help you? You know, what about making some contact with Naomi? Um, and do you think that Ray was afraid? 
Yeah, he was afraid. Stuff going on in Ray's mind. See, you've been there. You've been there. What do you see happening in that environment? You see encouragement. You see accountability. You see growth. You see fellowship. How many of us crave that type of environment, yet are so fearful to be involved in it? How many of us crave that type of environment, yet are so fearful to be involved in that because of what may come up, what might be said? What if they find out? What if somebody gets too close? What will they think of me? The fears that are associated. How many of us desire that type of intimacy, yet we're fearful of being judged or criticized? Watch this closing clip. When I was a boy, I loved trophies. I remember how it felt at the end of a season to get that shiny gold trophy and put it on the shelf. We love receiving recognition for our accomplishments, don't we? Most valuable player, employee of the year, even the dreaded most improved feels special at the time, doesn't it? But as you get older, the trophies that were so attractive when you were little start to look small and cheap. Even the diplomas and plaques we get as grown-ups often end up gathering dust in the basement or thrown out in the trash. In Philippians 3, Paul lists the glittering achievements on his resume, the trophies he'd collected. He was a Hebrew of the highest pedigree, a Pharisee from the finest school. And attainment is good. We should do all things as unto the Lord. But later, as a wiser man, Paul was no longer focused on his legend, but on his legacy. All those things he'd once found so important now seemed like worthless garbage. He began to focus on the eternal things, knowing Christ and being found in him, and helping others toward the same. All of us have spheres of influence. We're leaders in our families, classes, businesses, or circle of friends. We think our lives should always be upward and to the right. That leaders should always be climbing the ladder of success. That's what I believe too. Someone told me the first task of a leader is to define reality. So what are the things of real worth in life? If Paul is right, then many of the things the world thinks are valuable are really just rubbish. And many of the people the world calls leaders are just leading people to the garbage bin in their search for fame, wealth, or power. True leadership always leads to Jesus, to the things that endure. Is there some way you can help people who are dumpster diving, rummaging around in the garbage for fake trophies, to lift their eyes to the eternal things. That would be a legacy worth leaving. What'd you hear this morning, especially in those last closing statements? What'd you hear? That's a lot. Write all that down. What'd you hear?
Do you have the right focus? What are you leading people towards? See, when we're walking with the Lord, and he said it later in Paul's life, he began to realize that those things that he once looked to achieve and to gain, they were all rubbish. It's that thought process in life that as you get older, the paradigms begin to change. When you're younger, you begin to think, I don't have, I don't, I have plenty of time. The older you get, then when you get to get, there's this place and all of a sudden you realize, I don't have enough time. You know, I, 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 uh, you know, I, I got a really good back. I don't have a good back, you know. I, uh, I don't need Jesus. I need Jesus. Lots of things begin to change as you get older. I threw out a bunch of trophies not long ago. I know exactly what he's talking about. Because they were doing nothing but taking up space. Things that I had tried and worked so hard for at that time to gain. And I had put them up in the attic. And I got tired of moving them every time I went to get Christmas stuff. <laughs> and I thought, why am I continuing to keep on to these things that one time were so valuable, yet now they're worthless? I know exactly what Paul was talking about. But as a leader in Christ, what are you leading people towards? What are you leading people towards? Things of this world, world that are worthless? Are you leading them towards a relationship with Christ to know Him and to know Him better? That isn't temporary, but it's eternal. That's true leadership. It goes back to that passage that we talk about all the time. It's dying to self. And in dying to self, there's always a tension that's involved. Because it's a shift that has to be made. Remember shift? <laughs> it's that shift that has to be made from God, not my will, but your will be done. So not my agenda, but your agenda. And the older I get, it seems like the harder it gets. It seems like there's, more, it seems like there's just more and more and more, you know, doesn't seem like it ever ends. It's a consistent downward spiral. More of Christ, less of me. I'm crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ Jesus lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't know what you got out of it, but I bet you got something. The question is, what now are you going to do with it? That's the biggest question. When the Holy Spirit speaks, how do I respond? Maybe you're not involved in a missional community, a group. Maybe you need to be involved in a group, and the reason you haven't been involved in a group because you're fearful because it might hurt your legend status. Maybe it's time to move from legend status to legacy status. Less of me and more of him. Maybe today there's something in your past that's holding you back and you've been fearful. 
the true body of Christ doesn't throw rocks, doesn't throw stones, but it embraces and it walks alongside and it encourages and it holds accountable and there's fellowship and there's growth. Satan uses those things to isolate us, to destroy us. Don't be another victim. Maybe you need to go to somebody today. Maybe you're ticked like Frank, and you know something? You've been sitting over here in the corner just... (laughs) We don't change the hearts of people. I'm sorry. That's the Holy Spirit's work. Not us. Our responsibility is to speak truth in love. Grace and truth in love. Grace without truth is worthless. It's meaningless. Truth without grace is meanness. Grace and truth in love is meaningful and it's lasting. Let me pray with you this morning. Father, would you take what we have said, what's been spoken, the words today, the meeting in a video that is so very powerful, and would you use it in our lives to move us to a place of change, transformation. In a group this size, there is no telling some of the issues that have been maybe going through in somebody's mind. Father, I pray we would just be receptive to hear and to respond. Maybe there's some that today that, that have avoided being involved in, in a smaller community, a smaller environment out of fears. Father, today would you break that down? And even today, may they say, I need to be in that environment. I don't want to be held in bondage any longer. I want to be set free from those things of the past, whatever it may be. Help us to understand the freedom that comes with being honest, the intimacy that comes in those places. Father, I pray for those that may be here today and don't know Christ and the hope that a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus brings. If there's somebody here that's in that place, even today, would they be willing to even to cry out to you and say, Jesus, I don't understand it all, but to even this morning, I want to believe I want to follow. I want to place my trust in you. And if that person's here today, even this morning, they have the ability to make that choice. I pray that, Father, before they leave this place today, they would either fill out one of those cards in the back of that pew and let me know. I just, I made this decision. Maybe there's somebody here that says that I'm just struggling with this and I want you to pray. Maybe they would write that on the card and, and ask our staff to pray for them. But I pray that before they would leave, even come to me this morning to say, I want you to know this is going on. I want to follow Jesus. I want to trust him. Or would you pray for me for this area? Because we want to be able to walk alongside your people. I pray that we would be your ambassadors again as we walk out this door, as we always do. We would be more about leaving a legacy than living a legend that we wouldn't be about making our name known, but about making your name 
your presence known into this world in which we live to make your name famous. Father, I pray that we would take hold of every opportunity that we have to do that. We would recognize that you've called us to go into the highways and the byways of this world, but that first place of influence begins in our homes. And as fathers and as mothers, we would recognize that. Father, I pray for our country as we already have. I know that our success does not rise and fall on a boat, that you are our king, that you are our creator. But Father, you give us the freedom to be able to do that. And I pray that we would vote, we would be courageous in that, and we would be in prayer for our nation. Not only our nation, but our local leaders as well. Father, I pray that we would be in prayer for our mayor here in our community and our other leaders, our commissioners and other staff as they continue to make decisions on the local level. And for those within our uh, community that are, that are in those places and positions of authority. Father, that we would recognize that we have an opportunity to have influence as God's people and that we would make the most of every opportunity. Humble ourselves. May we seek your face and may we pray. May we submit ourselves to you and in that, may your name be known and may your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.